I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hello, everyone. It was a weekend of rugby that saw the Premiership top four all confirmed. So Saracens, Sale, Leicester and Northampton Saints all making the playoffs. We'll take you through all the action that got them there. And Sarah Elgin, thankfully, is here to help me do that. <laughs> I am indeed. Hi, Lawrence. Uh, it was a great weekend, wasn't it? Also with us this week is Evening Standards Rugby Correspondent, Nick Prowall. Hi, Nick. All good? Yeah, very well. Yeah, good. Good. What have you been up to since we last spoke? Any more gabled walls needing your attention? No, the DIY quest is constant. So having the <laughs> render of the house sprayed today with some biocide chemical to uh, stop algae growing back. So yeah, let's see how that goes. <laughs> I love how you give the explanation of what it does as well. It's brilliant. Do you need your own DIY podcast? You're wasted on rugby, Nick. Wasted. Uh, I think I'm just sort of being conned by the sales uh, element of it. Do you know what I mean? I'm getting drawn in. But, uh... oh, I'm with you there. I get conned all the time. Um, okay. Uh, no need to ask what you've been up to, Lars Alalio, because you're to blame for me feeling a little bit shabby on Sunday morning. The big summer kickoff party atmosphere seemed to spill over from Twickenham Stadium into the bars of Richmond on Saturday night. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a very, very uh, good weekend of uh, hard work and uh, rugby intellect was discussed uh, <laughs> over the over the table. I was, of course, at Twickenham uh, for the big summer party. Uh, and then we had a little summer party of our own. Um, yes, we did. With Well, it was Hugo Monia's uh, 40th, 50th, 50th birthday. 40th, yeah. <laughs> You're looking good for 50, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's looking very good. But uh, yeah, yeah, all no. good now, though. It was a good weekend. Good weekend. Right, should we talk about rugby then? Not our shenanigans on Saturday night. Um, it started on Friday night when Northampton went up to Newcastle, chasing maximum points in a bid to hold on to their spot in the top four. Now, despite the first try actually coming from the home team after just three minutes, the Falcons, well, they failed to score any further points, while Saints ran in 10 tries in total so it was absolutely job done for them um, and lol we now know of course that that result means that Northampton are through to the playoffs but what about before we get to Northampton what about Newcastle because it's been a difficult season for them where do they go from here well I think the expectations for Newcastle fans and for people that follow the premiership I mean Newcastle are always going to find life a little bit tough because it's a long long way away we know that but for every other team they only have to go there once a season for Newcastle when they play every other side it's a serious travel day and sometimes they have to leave a day sometimes even two days before the game so there is a little bit of mitigation in the fact that it's it's never going to be the easiest to participate in there's been a lot of change there Dave Walder stepped down uh, Alex Codling has just taken over as the DOR he has been coaching all over the world, but he's been in Oyonnax in the south of France, which is quite remote and cut off. So he'll be used to being a long, long way away from other clubs. Mark Wilson is leaving at the end of the season. I think he's stepping down. So there's a lot of change there coaching wise. 
The ownership structure at Newcastle is such that their total wage bill is probably the lowest in the league in terms of what they're prepared to uh, to pay across the board. Therefore, there's no surprise that the correlation between that is that they're bottom of the table. So I think Alex Codling will bring new ideas. It'll bring fresh impetus, hopefully. They've got some fantastic players, Matteo Carreras for one, but it's always going to be quite a struggle for Newcastle. And I think realistically, if they were to finish sort of somewhere between mid-table and just below that, that would probably be a really, really good reflection of where they're at. Yeah, Nick, Northampton have been strange this season, haven't they? Because when they've been good, they've been really good. But they have been a little bit up and down. But still, they find themselves in the playoffs. Absolutely. And and this is what happens, you know, when you have a league structure like this, where really just qualifying for the playoffs is the key thing, then teams can kind of uh, mix and match their, their structure a little bit. And, you know, they've got there by hook or by crook, haven't they? That'll be the key thing for them. And certainly when they're fully loaded with everybody back, they're, they're a serious side and they can be a bit of a threat for teams. But, you know, obviously it's likely that they'll go to Saracens and that's a massive, massive uh, ask for them. Absolutely. Okay. Now, Saturday saw the big summer kickoff at Twickenham Stadium, as we've just spoken about, with Harlequins and Bath going head to head. Um, it was such a great day. Kaiser Chiefs performing a set before the match. There was all sorts of entertainment going on in the in the fan village as well. Plus, the rugby didn't disappoint. Uh, Eleven tries between two teams, uh, but it was Bath who continued their winning run, beating Quinns forty five points to thirty five in the end. Now, Nick, Bath were giving us a little glimpse, I guess, like they have done the last few weeks, of what's to come for them next season. They're just building nicely. Yeah, I mean, I think we know, obviously, with Finn Russell coming down the track, what kind of X factor and entertainment value that's going to bring. The key thing will be, obviously, bringing everything together, won't it? When they've got the big players in their front five fit, they're a different proposition, aren't they? Because they can give themselves at least parity and then a, a lot of front foot and go for a ball. And that makes all the difference. And I think we saw that at the weekend. You know, Quinns have kind of got into a little bit of a funk, haven't they, really? They're just sort of bringing things back together. And I think, yeah, it's great to see Bath, obviously, one of the classic traditional powers and such a um, well-established name and they've got so many resources so much at their disposal that, that um it was, wasn't really going to be long that they were going to be languishing was it so but yes yeah, it, it sort of just kind of really sort of sets the tone for for next season for them doesn't it yeah, and I'll let's hope they can keep hold of Johan van Graan there because I know there are all sorts of rumors this week that the Springboks were after him to go back well, there. I, yeah, Victor Matfield, I think it was, had said. Love a uh, Victor Matfield headline, by yeah, the way. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, well, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't say a huge amount. So if he does, I guess people listen. Exactly. But, but Johan van Graam was one of about five coaches that he suggested could, in the future, coach the Springboks. I mean, they're not doing too badly at being coached by uh, by the chap um, that's a sort of me, you know, social media sensation. Well, I can't remember his name now. Rassi, uh, Rassi, Rassi. No, no, there we go. <laughs> uh, best not to remember his name. Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, listen, great. I mean, I thought it was a really entertaining match. Uh, I was wondering before kickoff what we would get out of it because neither side really had a huge amount to play for. I think it was high on entertainment. It was low on intensity, if I'm honest with you. But it was still good value. As you said, the Kaiser Chiefs, fantastic. Quinn's enormous amount of credit for what they've done with big game and I don't know what they call this little game. But there there was enough people there to suggest that if you price things correctly and you get the right entertainment there, and it's more than just about what happens on the field, that this can be done more than once a season. So that's exciting. In terms of the, the game itself, Bath, they're on a mini run, aren't they? They've won three, they games. They won three games on the trot. And and I, was, I wasn't surprised they won, but actually their attacking game is now starting to really come to fruition. They scored some wonderful tries. I thought Ollie Lawrence, again, was magnificent. Uh, as you said, they're tight five, very strong. Van Veltz looks a good signing in the second row. 
And in Ben Spencer, they've got, you know, pretty decent scrum half as well. So I think, you know, good things for Bath fans. Roos Craig, the owner, tells us every year that Bath are going to be really good next season. Maybe um, they will be. And he, he says that to us every season. But it looks like they will be, actually. Uh, with Finn Russell there, they're never going to be far away from the headlines. And now, I think the fight to get that final Champions Cup spot, eighth, is really interesting. It's probably more than the playoffs themselves, if I'm honest with you, because uh, it's probably going to come down to the, to that Gloucester-Bristol game. And obviously, if Bath can get something down at uh, Saracens. Yeah, but what about Quinns, though, Lol? Because, um, I don't know, they were in a really good spot. Their Christmas time this year has just not been very good for them at all. 2023 no. has not been a good year. To ship that many points in what was effectively a home game will be like super disappointing for them. It is. And it's quite difficult to, to pinpoint exactly because they're still scoring lots of tries and playing really well. They've obviously been disrupted a little bit by England selections, uh, the likes of um, of Smith, uh, Care briefly, in, in you know. But as you say, since November or since January, sorry, I think they've only won about three out of 10 games, which or three out of 12, which is nowhere near the record you need to, to be in the playoffs. They, they went from third the 10th. They weren't helped on Saturday. Danny Kerr uh, pulled out last minute with a uh, fitness test that he failed. Esther Hazen and, and Caden Murley both went to the Simbin, so they played uh, a large chunks of the game with, with 13 men. But yeah, they seem to have fallen off a cliff a little bit. And I think if I was to put my finger on it, defensively, they're conceding too many points. I think that was the 12th time in the season that they've conceded a try bonus point against them. So a few years ago, they used to just be able to outscore their opponents. And don't worry, whatever happens, oh, it's Quinns. Oh, we'll, we'll win because we'll pull it out of the bag like a, you know, like a rabbit. But every other side is scoring more points now. But uh, every other side is conceding less. And I think uh, if Quinns were to do anything over the summer, they'd need to work hard on how they transition from attack into defence. And they need to find a really good replacement, which I believe they have from Wales, actually, for Marcus Smith, because I think they've got a problem because too much of their game relies on one player. And it's not just when he plays, they structure everything around the fact that the, the style and pattern of play, it needs Marcus Smith uh, and it needs him to play well. And if he's not there, then they have issues. So I think they do need to tweak that a little bit and they need to uh, look at other ways of winning games without without Marcus Smith. Yeah, because Jared Evans is going there, isn't he? And I think the, the key thing about the Jared Evans signing is that he can play in a similar fashion, can't he, to Marcus? He wants to play that kind of attacking game, open game. And, and so it means then that if Marcus is away and Jared's playing, they can play largely the same sorts of systems, which uh, obviously this season they haven't been able to do. And so then it's very disjointed, isn't it? If you're having to train specifically for one, but then you've got a plan B, which you don't really want necessarily want to go to then how hard or how fully did the players commit to that if it's not really any of the other players feel wholly comfortable with that anyway so yeah I think that should make a big difference absolutely okay so while Bath were busy winning in Twickenham then there was a West Country battle taking place at Sandy Park where Exeter Chiefs pulled off a last minute win over Bristol Bears despite being down to 14 men um, Lawrence a relief for the Chiefs to get that victory after getting so badly beaten in Leicester the week before and of course they got a trip to La Rochelle uh, next weekend um, and also it was the final home game for so many of their players some of their big players and just club stalwarts really that have been there for years and years big day for them a really big day and a as you said a confidence booster I don't think it's anything more than that ahead of the semi-final against La Rochelle uh, you know that game at the weekend in the Prem and La Rochelle will be two totally different occasions but still nice to win when you go into that more importantly massive change at Exeter Chiefs just to remind all our listeners 19 players are leaving the Chiefs now that is unprecedented for a side that has, has had so much stability and when we think about those players I think they were all in the uh, centre circle before kickoff, and they got an amazing 
rapturous applause, which they thoroughly deserve. But people like Luke Kowdicki, Ben Moon, Sam Simmons, Joe Simmons, Harry Williams, Jack Noel, Dave Ewers, Ian Witten, the list goes on. And the success have been built around that stability in those players, hasn't it? That's the thing. And now they're all going. Yeah, and look, their season, I think they finished with a, a morale-boosting home win. They look set to finish in the top six now, which I think is at least where Exeter fans and where the team deserve to be. And everything focuses now on next week. But uh, yeah, a nice occasion. They left it late, I'll be honest with you. I think it was a uh, 79th minute penalty from Joe Simmons that won them the game. But they'll just be relieved to get over the line. Gloucester, Nick welcomed Sale to King's Home on Saturday evening. It ended three tries apiece, including Johnny May going over the line for the Cherry and Whites in the final moments of that game. But uh, it was the Sale Sharks who took the win, thanks to extra penalty points off the boot of George Ford again. And we know the strengths, Nick, don't we, of Alexanderson's men. But Gloucester now battling to get into that 10th position, uh, out of that 10th position, rather. They don't want to be in that 10th position. Uh, we know who makes the top four, but the final challenge for the remaining teams is to just to try and make sure that they finish in that final eight so they can qualify for European Challenge Cup. Do you think Gloucester will have it in them to manage that? I mean, I think obviously they'll probably be very frustrated they lost that game, won't they? Because given that they went so close and say they're in a different sort of uh, sequence, aren't they? So that, that's a decent, they push them all away. Um, yeah, I think I think they can, but um, they still feel just a little bit shy of, of where they want to be overall, don't they, Gloucester? It's absolutely not what sort of befits the stature and everything that goes with the club in terms of being so far down the league. But again, it also shows the competitiveness of the Premiership overall. But I think, you know, it was a big day, wasn't it, for Gloucester with Billy Twelve Trees and Ben Morgan coming to the end of their time and obviously for Billy and shaving his head for Ed Slater as well. Which, yeah. You know, sort of, you know, is a lovely kind of uh, coming full circle in his Gloucester career because because obviously he shaved his head when he arrived in the first place for the, uh, the pre-season the initiation. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of pretty poignant for him and, and for Gloucester. And uh, But I think the big challenge for clubs like Gloucester moving forward is if you're going to lose players of that calibre, who obviously early on Billy had big England aspirations, they fell by the wayside. But when you've got somebody of that durability and, and capability available every week, when you lose them, you know, they move on and all the rest of it. It does leave a big gap, doesn't it? And players of that um reliability are really what make the difference I think between being 10th, 9th and up 7th, 6th and making it into the Champions Cup. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. 
The final game of the weekend. So Sarries confirmed their spot at the top of the table with a big win in the end over London Irish at the Stonex on Sunday. Ending Exiles' hopes of making that top four. Lol, you were at the game. London Irish, I mean, they started really well, didn't they? But as you commented last week, it's a tough place to go as a Stonex and win. I think the last time Saracens were beaten there in the Premiership game was January last year, I think. Were you surprised the scoreline ended as it did? Uh, not really at the end of the game, because if you look at Saracen's record at Stone X, as you say, if you look at the side that they put out, which was they met business, yeah. fully loaded. Yes, uh, London Irish have been a bit of a bogey team for Saracens. Uh, they beat them already this season. They beat them a few times previously. Tom Pearson on the show last week on our podcast was saying he'd never lost to Saracens. So, no, I wasn't surprised. But London Irish started the game really, really well. And what, they were 10-0 up. I mean, Saracens, conversely, slow out the blocks. They made mistakes. There was a lot of errors. Uh, they didn't score their first points, uh, the penalty until the 26th minute. So Not for the first time this season, though, lol, is it? For Saris, they, they have been slow out the blocks. And there's a really interesting sort of thing going on at Saracens at the moment because they'd lost the last two games against La Rochelle and they'd lost the Prem game against Northampton away. Uh, where they rested, albeit they rested a lot of players, but uh, they need to get back to winning ways and they need to do it quickly. They also needed to get rid of London Irish because I don't think they particularly enjoy playing against them. So it was a good day at the office in the end for Saris. And now they've got the momentum back, hopefully, to build towards, obviously they have a week off and then they play Bath at home and then they're into the playoffs against the Saints. But the familiar picture is that they, they were like this last season where you know, Owen Farrell came back from injury in February and they built towards the final. They looked unbeatable. They are head and shoulders this year, the best team in England by some distance. They finished top. They haven't been beaten very often, but they still lost the final. And I think the challenge for Mark McCall, I'm not doubting them in any way, but at the back of his mind, they thrive on the big occasion. And the last three big occasions, they've lost the trophy. You know, they've lost to Leicester in the final. They've lost to uh, Toulon in the Challenge Cup. And they lost to La Rochelle a couple of weeks ago. So for all the good stuff that they're doing and they're playing brilliant rugby, they've got to ask themselves a question. Are, are, do they still want, you know, have they still got the hunger appetite to win major trophies? Now, if you speak to Ben Earl, who we had on the on the BT Sport yesterday, and you speak to Owen Farrell, who was uh, outstanding at the weekend, I don't think there's any doubt that they want to win things. But uh, something is not quite there at the moment. I think if they weren't to win the title this year, I think it would be a serious, serious setback for them because having lost the final last year and having been trailblazers this season in the, in the table, success for them is winning the title. I'm still laughing and I love the, how Owen Farrell was still mouthing to the referee after the final whistle, after his team just put 40-odd points on the opposition. He's he's just so passionate, isn't he? He's just got that winning mentality like so many of, of that team have. So you would not bet against them, obviously, get to the final and lifting it this year. It was interesting. Mark McCall doesn't like to single out individuals, but he couldn't help but single out Owen Farrell because after 25 minutes, he was the one that grabbed that team and lifted them. And is I thought he was outstanding yesterday, uh, awarded him the player of the match because he deserved it. And yes, listen, I mean, I could write a, a PhD in how to speak to the referee. So I, 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 I can't <laughs> you, have a, You I, might not pass the PhD though. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't. But I, uh, I certainly wouldn't have a go at him for that. So uh, look, yeah, it's, it's exciting times for them. They've obviously got a week off now to recover. They've got some challenges because their back row is, uh, you know, no Christie, no McFarlane, no Billy Vunapola. You know, they certainly don't want to lose any more players. But there's so much quality in that side uh, and so many so many good players. OK, shall we do Player of the Week then? Player of the Week with QBE Business Insurance. Be prepared. 
Okay, so I'm going to go a little bit of a sentimental choice this week down at Sandy Park with the Exeter Chiefs. As I mentioned, there's 19 players that are leaving. Uh, I do like someone who has longevity in their career. So I could choose any one of those outbound players, but I'm going to choose Ian Witten, who has been probably the less celebrated one out of all of them. I think he joined the Chiefs in 2012 when he made his debut. So he's been there a while. Uh, he got two caps for Ireland, probably could have had a few more. Uh, I just think he's he sort of epitomised that whole group of players, you know, that was quite selfless, that would do anything for the team, that have come on and, and made significant contributions to the success of Exeter Chiefs. He got on the score sheet. He was the first try scorer, 25 minutes. But maybe not today's performance, but it was just generally for just being outstanding over a long period of time. Ian Witten uh, is my player of the week. I like that. I like a bit of sentiment. Uh, Nick, who are you going for? I think I will pick Alex Goode. And I think uh, it was the quick throw on on the stroke of half time that really turned that game because Saracens had made a number of mistakes and were struggling to just get themselves into gear. Irish cleared to touch and, and you could see them visibly just exhale and think, we've made it. We've made it to half time and now we can regroup. And uh, Goode took a quick throw, took a risk, and Max Malians managed to collect it and, you know, recycle the ball. And then in a flash, they'd scored in the corner. Ben Earl had broken, sent good across on the inside. And um, just that moment of wit and ingenuity just kind of sums up everything that's made him so outstanding across his career. And it completely changed the game because that allowed Saracens to go in at the break, in the lead, and give them the platform to uh, take control after the break. Yeah, that was a momentum swing, wasn't it, at the end of that first mm. half? Uh, okay, so you've both gone for... Different games. I will go then for um, Josh Bayliss from the big summer kickoff. I think he made a real impact when he came on early, wasn't it, in that first half? He was just at the heart of everything good that Bath did to HQ, I think, on, on Saturday. So I'm going to go for him. A special mention, of course, to Faz and to Ben Earl as well, who actually never has a bad game, does he? I'm bored of saying that. I don't think I've seen him have a bad game, particularly this season. So, um, yeah, so that was good. That was nice and straightforward. None of us went for the same one. Good. good. None of us took the other one up brilliant no. <laughs> right let's move on then shall we um premiership pauses next week and we return to the european cup it's the semi-finals which sees toulouse traveling to dublin to face leinster both teams top of their respective leagues that is going to be some contest loris delalio well i think both semi-finals are fantastic i mean if you look at the the roll call you've got four winners four previous tournament winners i think Four out of the last five years, actually. So they're not just winners. They're winners that have all won it most recently. So, so many different options. Does home advantage count for a lot? Yes, it does. Um, in a funny sort of way, it's felt like the year of the French last year. Uh, they won the Grand Slam. And this year, it feels like the year of the Irish, doesn't it? The Ireland have won the Grand Slam. Now, that doesn't mean that Toulouse or Leinster will win their respective European Cups, but... You just get the sense that that home advantage might, just might, prove quite key. Although, that said, if anyone can, you know, storm the Aviva and take them, then maybe Toulouse can. So, uh, a fascinating contest ahead. So many good quality players. No Johnny Sexton, that's, that's the only thing. Now, so far, that hasn't really mattered because Leinster in Rossburn, um, he's played magnificently well. But would they need Johnny Sexton to win this game? They would argue not. They've got other superb players. But some of those French performances at the moment from the likes of Dupont and Tamak, Ramos, who's just playing superbly well. I guess for me, can the Toulouse forwards, if we, if we want to break it down into detail, can the Toulouse forwards impose their game on Leinster's forwards? In other words, the power game. And let's hope Jack Willis is selected from, a, from an English perspective. Or... 
can the kind of the wit and the rugby smarts of Leinster, you know, move that big Toulouse pack around significantly enough to play their own attacking game? So it's it promises to be, uh, you know, a fascinating game. There's going to be a big party in Dublin, whatever happens. Uh, another one. <laughs> it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a few because um, obviously they had the Grand Slam. They got this semi-final and, you know, Leinster believe think that they're going to be in the final and they've yeah. certainly they've, and they're it's fa- in Dublin isn't it they're, 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 their know. fans do so personally I've been lucky enough to go to the Aviva and win a semi-final uh, with Wasps and with uh, against Munster not Leinster and spoiling the party in Ireland is, is quite good fun as well so uh, I uh, I think Toulouse have got an outside chance but I do believe Leinster start that game as, as significant favourites Okay, then down in Bordeaux. I love saying that word so much. We uh, love the on... way you, we love the way you say it. <laughs> say it again. Bord- Bordeaux, but if I say it any other way, I sound like I don't know Del Boy Trotter because I kind of go Bordeaux, which doesn't sound right, does it, from a Welsh person? So I'm going to stick to saying it Bordeaux um, on Sunday. Uh, it's La Rochelle against Exeter Chiefs. Nick, which areas of the game will Chiefs need to focus on if they are going to cause an upset against the current champions? It's going to be tough. Yeah, well, I think as we saw from the Saracens game, breakdown absolute key isn't it? If Botia is playing, which he expects he will be in, and if he's in the kind of form he was against Saracens, he was kind of picking them off at will at breakdowns, and uh, that's that's really the area where Exeter will have to be really on top of their game. So then that's just ball retention, and that's quality in every facet, isn't it? The way we've talked about before, about Ireland and Leinster, the way they can build attacks through multiple phases of just being so accurate at the ruck, and that's, you know, Exeter at their very best, that's exactly what they are very, very good at as well. So it will be about them getting into their patterns, really, and if they're allowed to do that. Obviously, matching the physicality of, of La Rochelle in their tight five as well will be massive. It's it's funny, isn't it? Because Exeter haven't had the season they would have wanted in, in the league, but you can't really discount them from games like this. And that's probably because of uh, of everything that sort of Rob Baxter and his coaching staff are and the way they approach things. There's a very old school element to what they do isn't it mixed with all the you know the, the heights of professionalism but they always feel to me like a side who can really tap into emotion to boost the performances at the right time so and i think for that reason you can't really write them off you put in all the story about you know all the narrative about everybody leaving and it being their last opportunity the last dance and everything goes with that you'd think that la rochelle would be clearly favorites because especially being in france but that said if exeter can tap into all of that then that's very powerful and it, it gives them a chance See, I think that is huge for them, the emotion of those players going. Like, so much of sport is about emotion, isn't it? And, mm. I, and I just think they have seen Europe this season as some sort of an escape. And you can almost see their mentality is like completely different. Law, would you agree? Yes, I would agree. And it's just a big occasion and it's an opportunity. Imagine if, I mean, you know, all those players are leaving. Great. But leave after playing a final, not a semi-final. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, they're all good enough to put in big performances, big enough to, you know, challenge. They will take heart from what they saw Gloucester do yeah. uh, over there. But then they will also be respectful and mindful of what La Rochelle did to Saracens as well, because there's two sides to La Rochelle. And, uh, I mean, they're going to have to pack some bravery, that's for sure. Because when you've got the likes of Antonio, the prop, when you've got Bottier, when you've got Will Skelton, when you've got Gregory Aldrich. I mean, they are four Exocet missiles that are just enormous. I mean, the, the, the ball-carrying power that they have is there for everyone to see. And if they wake up on the right side of bed in the morning and decide that they want to turn up, then that is a juggernaut that you need to stop. So they can win Exeter. Yes, of course, they've, they've already won in cast. They've already beaten Montpellier. They've actually been to La Rochelle a few years ago and won. But they will have to do some big tackling on the game line. 
uh, if they're prepared to do that, because Saracens couldn't cope with that power. They got absolutely blown away by it. And it's a lesson for extra Chiefs, for sure. Okay, so also taking place next weekend is a final round of the Women's Six Nations, where, as expected, it all comes down to the battle between England and France. Lawrence, it's been another fantastic campaign for the Red Roses. And, and I guess whatever the outcome, Saturday's game at Twickenham is going to be record-breaking, as it's now the most tickets sold for a women's rugby international, which is massive for the game. How confident are you that the Red Roses will be lifting that trophy come Saturday afternoon? It's huge for the game, first of all. And congratulations to to everyone involved in that. Um Obviously, England hosts the, the Women's World Cup, the next one, and therefore building now is, is so, so important. And I mean, this should have happened a long time ago, trying to fill Twickenham for a women's international. It's happening now. So I think there was over, what, 50,000 tickets sold a few weeks back. So if we can continue to sell more and more, wouldn't that be an outstanding achievement? Simon Middleton is coming to the end of an eight-year reign. He's been incredibly successful. He will be obviously disappointed that they weren't able to lift the World Cup last uh, last time out against New Zealand. But they could give him the sort of send-off that I think he deserves. Eight tries they scored against Ireland, uh, smashed them to pieces. So, yeah, England have looked very, very strong. But it always comes down to this game against France, doesn't it? Uh, and there's not a lot between the two sides. But I think with a, with a record-breaking crowd, uh, I think England can, can give Simon Middleton the send-off he deserves. And, and I just think it's a real turning point for the game at the moment. They've obviously got a successful domestic league that continues to gain popularity. Hopefully, and quite rightly, the, the women's professional players are going to be offered more and more contracts and slightly better contracts so they can uh, really plan for the future. And uh, yeah, I just think it's a, it's, it's a great time for women's rugby. It's exciting. It's going to be a good weekend next weekend, isn't it? We wish the Red Roses all the very best for that game, of course. We certainly do. And we'll be reflecting on the result of that game along with the European Cup semi-finals in next week's podcast. So until then, my thanks to Sarah. Thank you. My thanks to Nick. Thanks, Lawrence. And thank you to you all for listening. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.